the prime obligation of every human being is to speak out against injustice. We are our brother's keeper. You're listening to The Keeper, brought to you by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. I'm Katrina Lantos-Sweat. This episode of The Keeper will feature an interview with Ensaf Haider, the wife of Rafe Badawi. Perhaps not all of our listeners will be familiar with Rafe's story. So before turning to the conversation with Ensaf, I wanted to share some background into Rafe's case. Raif Badawi, a young Saudi father of three, was arrested in 2012 on a charge of insulting Islam through electronic channels. His quote-unquote crime was establishing an online forum, the Saudi Liberal Network, that encouraged discussion of reform within the kingdom. It was never a radical forum, and Raif avoided direct attacks on the Mutawa, the Saudi religious police, or the Saudi government he had simply established a website to encourage peaceful dialogue about religion and reform. Nonetheless, Rafe was arrested, charged with apostasy, and ultimately sentenced to 10 years in prison and a thousand lashes. At that time, I was serving on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, and I joined with a number of my colleagues in not only condemning Mr. Badawi's outrageous sentence, but asking the Saudi government that we be permitted to take 100 lashes in his stead. Ultimately, thousands of ordinary men and women from around the world joined us in offering to take lashes on behalf of Rafe, and he has not been lashed since that time, although he remains unjustly imprisoned to this date. Rafe Badawi's case has become a global call to action, and the Lantos Foundation is continuing its efforts to win his release. Let's listen now to my conversation with his undaunted, valiant wife, Ensaf. Ensaf, thank you so much for joining us on The Keeper today. I'd like to give our listeners a chance to get to know you personally. And so, if I may, I'd like to ask you to tell us a little bit about your relationship and eventual marriage to Rafe, because you have described both as somewhat accidental. Can you share with us how the two of you met? The way that they had first met was you know, a lucky accident in that uh, Raif had called the wrong number and Ensaf had picked up the phone. And they uh, started speaking and got along, and that Raif would then continue to call so that they'd be able to have that, that telephonic relationship and get to know each other. They had decided that they wanted to get married, and Raif had asked permission under the Saudi guardianship laws, and had asked permission from uh, her father, who had refused. And Raif never gave up and continued to uh, come back to her house to ask her father, her brothers, what he needs to do, how he can change, that he will do whatever he has to to get their acceptance for the marriage. And that's something that Ensaf had been pushing for as well. They had built a close relationship over the phone and, you know, secretly been trying to meet 
for the first time ever, Ensaf had pushed back against her father's uh, wishes and had said that this is something that she wants for herself and strongly believes in that she was in love. Her father had, had hit her for it and absolutely refused and said that he would never accept it no, ma- no matter how much Raif were to change or that she were to change. So Ensaf responded that she would go ahead and leave with Raif without marriage if she had to. That if they don't accept it, she'd continue to pursue the relationship. After saying that, Ensaf's brother, which under guardianship laws, allows for Hajj in order to, quote-unquote, save the family from scandal, that it would have been so scandalous if she were to have pursued this signed contract to allow her and Raif to marry. And since then, her father continues to not recognize her marriage and relationship with Raif or her children and had cut her off and uh, she's only able to get married because her brother, to avoid this scandal, had signed for it. She had sort of uh, lost touch with her, her family after that in order to pursue her love with Rife. It's really an incredible story and I think anyone hearing it is not only struck by how much these two must have been meant to be together, it sort of takes love at first sight to a whole different level. When Rife first began his blog, did he think at that time, or did you think that simply writing online about imagining a society with greater freedom of belief, more freedom for women, did either of you imagine at that point that this could ever lead to his imprisonment? In response to your question, Ensaf was saying that when Raif first founded his blog, uh, Freestyle Liberals, which was actually in 2006, there were various iterations of his uh, platform that he had given to uh, free thinkers and, and pluralists online. You know, as you put it, simply for writing and imagining a more equal society where his fellow citizens can enjoy greater equality, you know, he, he understood that it was something that was challenging the status quo, that was perhaps dangerous, but he never thought it would bring upon him what it has. And he never criticized the government or called for regime change or anything of the sort. He was simply calling for greater equality for women and women's right to drive. He was calling for religious freedom and uh, tolerance of religious minorities and yeah. trying to affect the public discourse and exercise his right to freedom of expression. He understood in the process that this was something that was dangerous because Ensop shared that the family had to often move home. Someone would find out where they live or expose him as, you know, founder of the website, put their address online so that they would be put in danger and receive, you know, either harassment from the religious police or from clerical incitement. They had never been targeted by the government, didn't feel that their lives were in danger or that they'd be persecuted by the government. They understood that it was something that was dangerous, but felt that it was important to do to affect the public discourse, to push for greater change, and thought that they were doing it within a framework or context that would be acceptable. And were important issues of the struggle for equality, of, you know, helping their fellow citizens in the struggle for greater rights, and that that's something that, you know, even the government would appreciate. This changed when in 2008, they were now being targeted by the government itself, and that in an unprecedented way, Raif was denied any government service. His bank accounts were frozen. He was not allowed even to get birth certificates for his newborn daughter. 
he was not allowed a work permit. So basically, life as a Saudi citizen was denied to him. He was deprived of any, not only government benefits, but basic rights and responsibilities that the government has towards its citizen were denied to him. But nonetheless, even at that point, he never thought that it would bring upon him lashings and languishing in prison. He now understood that the government was specifically targeting him and that this went beyond the clerics and the religious police. You know, to underscore this, when he had to go to court and the family had fled, Ensaf took the children and left Saudi Arabia because it had reached a, a certain level of danger. That Raif had told them before they left Saudi Arabia that he would see them in a month, that he would resolve mm-hmm. these legal disputes and that he would see them soon. He never thought he'd be in prison, let alone under a sentence of 10 years and a thousand lashes. Yes. You know, this next question is a hard one, and I'm almost reluctant to ask it, but Ensaf and Raif and their three children have paid such a steep price for standing up for these basic principles of freedom of belief and expression and conscience. Are there ever times when she looks back and thinks, if I could do this over, I would have tried to stop Rife from starting this blog. I wouldn't have let us go down this path. Ensaf says that despite the difficulties it's brought upon the family, upon her and her children, it's so important to think of the change and not the consequences that came about in pursuing it. And that if you look today at Saudi Arabia of today, you can see the impact that all of these people speaking out has had. The allowance for women's rights to drive, the greater incremental move towards equality, while there are many people still in prison for it and who don't get the credit for pushing for these changes, nonetheless, we're seeing that with any sort of government, there has to be a certain level of responsiveness to these calls for changes. And despite the consequences that they've brought, you can only bring about this change if you have the courage to speak out and and that it's important to do that if you want to see your society improve. She wouldn't change anything because it's, it's brought about some change and brought about greater awareness. So, of course, it's incredibly difficult for her. It's difficult for Ace. It's difficult for the kids. But at the end of the day, this difficulty has brought about important change and that their kids can be proud growing up looking at what their father has helped bring about. I should say so. They can be incredibly proud of what their father has helped to bring about, but also the sacrifices of their mother. Now, Ensof has said, and I'm quoting here, it's such a powerful quote. She has said, the hands of the clock stand still at my house. Part of us is in jail, and our pain grows every day, but we haven't yet lost hope. Ensof, would you be willing to share with us how you cope with raising your young children and trying to give them a quote-unquote normal childhood while their father languishes in prison? You know, despite the great difficulty, it's so important to stay positive and be optimistic and looking forward to a brighter future where Raif will eventually join them and to try to live a normal life as best they could until they reach that point. Part of it is bearing in mind that it helps Raif for him to know that the family is able to live a normal life and that they're doing their best, that that'll give him hope as well. And that for them, life can't stop. She has no choice. You know, if they were to, if they were to be negative about it or pessimistic, it would have uh, an overwhelming effect on her, on the children, so for the sake of their mental health, of their well-being, 
they have no choice but to be optimistic, to think of a brighter future, and to try to create a, a certain level of family life that for when Raif is free, that he could rejoin them and, and have something to hope for and be a part of and have pride in. And that despite there's great difficulty in the family waiting for him and trying to build that life without him, they do it uh, with, with the hope and understanding that he will one day join them and that they will have a positive and normal life until he does as best they could. But it's a choice that she's made to live life and to continue forward. I have just one last question. Ensaf has said that, and I'm quoting, if Western governments are genuinely interested in combating Islamic terrorism, then the first thing to be done should be to aid the anti-radical forces within the Islamic world and all those who defend universal human rights. I realize that that quote was directed to governments, but my question is, what would be the one call to action that Ensof would like to share with our listeners as individuals? What is the one thing she would like to encourage our listeners to do to aid not only in combating Islamic terrorism, but in defending universal human rights? Yes. Ils vont faire comme, comme, comme tout le monde maintenant, ils font dans les... Ensop says that freedom of expression is at its core. It doesn't understand why there may be a certain fear, especially with regard to the Middle East, to stand up for these rights, but anybody, wherever they are, should use their right to freedom of expression to speak out on behalf of those who are being deprived of this right whether people who've attended rallies and speak out for her husband Raif here in her hometown of Sherbrooke or in Vienna, in Berlin, all around the world, in free societies, there are some who are exercising this right, who are taking to the streets, who are going on social media and trying to shine a spotlight on abuses and on, on dissidents, on people being in prison for exercising this right. It needs to be a greater part of the public discourse about the lack of freedom of expression in some countries. We need to talk about it, we need to shine a spotlight on it, and we need to empower those who are fighting for that right, because it's at the core of all the others. She said, you know, it's, it's given her such hope seeing some courageous people standing up and speaking out, but sadly it's a very small minority. So she says to really help, to really make a difference, we need to be seeing a lot more people with whatever platform they have and whatever capacity that they could speaking out and calling for greater freedom of expression around the world. The relationship of Raif Badawi and Ensof Haider began as a love story, and it remains that, despite the persecution, incarceration, and separation that they have endured over the past seven years. But it has also become something bigger than that. Ensof and Raif have become brave warriors on the front lines of the struggle to defend basic human rights. As we consider the price they have paid to defend these rights, it is both a reminder and a challenge to us all. A reminder that living a life of fidelity to one's deepest values can be a very costly endeavor. And the challenge, the question each one of us must ask ourselves, what price am I willing to pay? This is Katrina Lanto-Sweat. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Keeper. This episode of The Keeper was produced and recorded by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. To support our work and for more information on today's guest and topic, visit us at www.lantosfoundation.org.